Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, I'm Jules Von Hepp. Hello, I'm Sarah Powell. And welcome to Wobble, a podcast about happiness and body confidence. Because we all wobble. In this episode of Wobble, we talk to lovely and inspiring Nadine Baggett. Now, Nadine is a, I want to say, a flag flyer within the beauty industry. She is one of the most respected beauty journalists. Well, she was a journalist and she now has a very successful YouTube channel. Um, Nadine is one of those people who I have known in the industry for a while, but I am incredibly inspired by. And I think when we were sat with her, it's clear that Nadine is a very much a no bullshit kind of woman. Yeah, absolutely. But it's this attitude that I think she's fearless and she works so hard and she's grown herself. And she will tell you about her journey that she's had, but I find her, she's followed her dream. Yes, the whole she time. really has, which is so inspiring. And I found this an absolutely brilliant career chat as well. So if you fancy a bit of that, um, but loads of other stuff as well. Yeah, it was a joy to have her. Oh. How are you? I'm good. A vision in leopard print. Obviously nobody's going to appreciate this. We couldn't have three more clashing prints if we No, tried. we couldn't. It's hideous, isn't it, really? I'm it's a lovely, warm <laughs> summer day in London and we are out and proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually putting this together as a mood board for my bedroom, Nadine, right now. You won't get any sleep, trust me. <laughs> Leopard print, pink and turquoise chevron. That's it. We've thrown everything at it. It's all here. Also, we happen to be at this moment surrounded by inflatable palm trees, pineapples, and a lot of sort of very large balloons. We are sat in a studio, so if it does sound echoey, apologies. Yeah. But you know, wobble, Jules and Sarah, it's rough and ready, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Take us as we are. That's <laughs> yeah. what we say. But the reason that the balloons are here is obviously, wherever you've got a pineapple balloon, you've got Isle of Paradise. Exactly. That's what's going exactly. on here. And um, Jules has done, we should say this, Jules has done an amazing video for Nadine's YouTube. Yes. Um, all about the tanning, the whys, the wheres, the whats, the acids. It was a complete revelation to me. I couldn't believe it. I know, you kind of sat there like... Taking it all what? in. What? Yeah. What does this all mean? Bearing in mind, I've been writing self-tanning features for 20 years. I'm literally like aghast. Yeah. The knowledge is shocking. What you don't know about self-tanning isn't worth knowing. You could write on the back of a postage stamp. <laughs> That's it. Um, Nadine, we're so excited to have you. Um, you've been a beauty writer. How long have you been in beauty? I've been a journalist since I left university and I became a beauty editor in 1989. Before you were even born, Jules. No, I was born by then. I oh, were you just? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <He was> tanning. <laughs> yeah. He came out of the womb with a spray tan. That's it. He was tanning at playground. That's the north for you. Um, 
so 1989, so 30 years next year. Wow. wow. Oh, you've got to mark that. Just, like, please give us, like, your career. Quick and, career yes, path. Yes, please. Okay, a pricey. So I left university, didn't really know what I wanted to do, was typical, like, didn't want to go back home, you know, had to pay off your student debts. So I was just sort of freelancing and temping in various offices. And I landed a job on a trade magazine, and I was in the advertising team, which was still really good fun. But I sort of look over those tatty little partitions, and I thought, they're having fun over there, and they were editorial. Job came available. I got the job, they sent me back to university for a little while, went to London College of Printing, learnt to be a journalist, worked in various magazines, landed a job on a woman's magazine as a features writer, and again, looked over the grubby partition, the beige partition, and thought, <laughs> that department's having more fun. Ooh, that's the fashion and beauty department. And so I moved across, became a deputy beauty editor, which was essentially features writing, bit of celebrity interviews, bit of like nice products, bit of scientific skincare, so it was the best of both worlds. Living... Uh, Marie Claire, Daily Mail, hello. And in that time started doing TV as well, but only because TV is notoriously cheap, right? So they basically want to rip off features in magazines, but rather than just blatantly ripping them off, they ring up the publishing house and go, we'd quite like the journalist that wrote this, would she like to do it? And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll do that. No money, obviously. And then you just end up being thrown in the deep end and learning live TV as well. You're obviously clearly really driven and you're looking for the next, like the same. I'm a good working class yeah. girl, trust me, I've got a work ethic. <laughs> but, but looking over the, looking over and seeing what you wanted and making sure you got there, that's really what your kind of career path is almost like mapping out. So you're seeing what you want and you're getting it, you're getting it, you're getting it. How back then was it for you, like having to work and graft? I mean... I, I come, my, both my parents worked in factories, so I have a fundamental work ethic, and I knew I wanted to escape, and I knew I wanted to do something different. And I never really sort of thought, where's my five-year game plan? I just thought, work hard every day, and you'll be rewarded. And my working-class parents, I was never told I was the most beautiful or the smartest or the cleverest or lovely or amazing. My dad just said, if you work really hard, you'll be a success, and I believe in you, and you can do it, whatever you want to do. That sort of quite tell it like it is way, tough love way of being brought up. And I was the first person in my family to go to university and stuff like that. And when you go into magazines, it's a lot of posh girls that don't really need to work. There is a definite class divide. And I think I was always the sort of slightly, I'll just work a bit harder than anybody else and let it happen. The most important thing happening to you when you're that age, when you're like 25 or 26, is you want a really lazy editor. And I had a really lazy beauty editor that essentially didn't want to do anything. And so basically, I just got to learn how to do all of it. Being thrown in the deep end, faking... I, I remember saying to somebody once on a podcast, you've got to fake it till you make it. Like, you just, like, I can do live TV? Oh, yeah, of course I can do live TV. I remember my first ever job. Can you type? Of course I can type. I couldn't type. Like, two fingers. I'm doing this now on the side. <laughs> and you just immerse yourself. You work really hard. And then what you do is you, you learn as you go along. I mean, I went back to university to learn journalism. I learned more on the floor of a magazine or a newspaper than I ever did at any course teaching you how to do it. And I, at one point I was offered the editorship of a magazine of Marie Claire Health and Beauty and I knew I didn't want to be an editor. I quite like the creative side of it. I quite like the sort of chill of an empty piece of paper, an empty page on a computer and thinking, how am I going to fill this up? So I quite you, like, so you, you do a lot down. of TV, Jules. Yes, I know I do. you do. And I love the thrill of a earpiece, five, four, three, mm. two, one. 
go. Where, I mean, where does that fearlessness come from, Nadine? Because a lot of it, I think it's inbred. I don't know. I can't explain that what would scare the bejesus out of most people is just exciting for me. And it is frightening. I'm not saying you're not frightened. Like every time you go live on QVC, you know, you'll have that little nugget of, I'm going to do this. And again, it's something as you, you learn as you get older. Every time you are up against it and you get pushed outside your comfort zone, it's a cliche, it's a meme, it's a kind of Instagram meme. That's where you grow. So you just, you do your first live TV and then you look back and you're a bit awful and then you learn and you get better and better and better. And how do you deal with nerves? Do you, do you get nervous? Not so much anymore, just the right amount. So I did a live event the other day, so I now do PAs as well. I did a live event where I had to talk in front of people the other day and I had a few notes about what I was going to say. And you get that slight buzz, but not to the point where it cripples you. And I think when you're younger, the time to learn to overcome your nerves is when you're quite young because I just think you're so full of like gumption and get up and go and you're like, oh, I'll be fine. What's yeah. the worst thing? What's the truth is, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. Is you can fail and you pick yourself up and you yeah. just keep moving on. Well, and, and Don't it, you? Yeah, I yeah. agree. Totally. And I'm, you have to learn to laugh at yourself. Never take yourself too seriously. I think that's an amazing tip, actually. Because I think when you do start getting really bogged down and taking it all too seriously, that is when those nerves and that fear can mm. really click in. Mm. And, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested at the moment um, about making mistakes. Because I think um, a lot of people don't do things, maybe they don't change their career or maybe they don't start new projects, and it's fear. And a lot of the time it's fear of failure, fear that something's going to go wrong, fear I don't know some sort of social rejection maybe something like that and I wondered how I mean you you must have had your moments Nadine. Mm -hmm. you must have gone no that was the wrong choice or that was the wrong decision how have you dealt with those moments in the past because my bigger fear is uh, I'm not going to pay my rent right I'm not going to pay my mortgage yeah so if you if you've got nobody else to fall back on then you just have to rely on yourself and every time, even if you do a little bit of live TV and then you play it back and it's excruciating to watch, or even if you hand a feature in. And I remember once an editor saying to me, the only time anybody's ever made me cry, saying to me, sometimes I think, Nadine, you think you're a better writer than you are. And I walked away, walked out of the office, had a little cry and thought, no, but I'll prove her wrong because I'll become a better writer. Like, it's never, you can never really, I don't think in our industry you can ever be that kind of insecure. You've just got to keep going. And also, I always say this, and I, like, I've worked in factories, I've worked in shops. How bad can it be? It's not the same as having a proper job. Like, three cheers to anybody that's got a proper job, right? It's why you should always judge somebody by how they treat waitresses and shop assistants, because I've been a shop assistant and I've been a waitress and that's much harder. So just get over yourself, Nadine, you're not that important. It's a big deal to you, it's not that big to anybody else. Next time, just do better. Yeah. Just do better. Oh, I'm no, quite tough on myself, I do believe in that. I, I don't believe in that generation where you're, everybody's told they're beautiful and lovely and perfect. You should get out in the real world and you'll realise you're not that special. And that'll be no, a horrible moment And that's to a horrible that. moment, and it's better to have that tough love. And I think it's ingrained in me from my parents. I mean, my dad was amazing. He was the greatest human being that ever lived. That's so nice to say about your dad. What and that nice was a, thing. I was thinking that when you said earlier about mm. what your dad had said to yeah. you, that you can do anything and you can be anything. My dad was a, an orphaned man that was raised in northeast England. And he was brought up in a, I mean, bearing in mind he was born, born in 1929. He was raised in a, what was the equivalent of a sort of Dickensian workhouse where the children were all really physically abused and everything. And I just think he came out the other side and I just think he loved my mum and he loved me and my sister and we were his whole world. And 
he basically lived his life so that I could have every opportunity. So I was the first person to go to university. I was the first person to graduate. I was the first person to be on TV. And he was just unbelievably proud of me, but proud of my achievements. But, but it's that, that rooted sense of I knew that whatever I did, they'd always support me. And I don't mean support me financially because I had a paper round from when I was 11 or 12. I mean emotionally supported me. And also you come off air and you're like a good working, so you've got your dad going, oh, you were amazing and I've watched all, I've got, got the VHSs, it was that long ago of all my appearances on TV and I've still got them now because it's got his writing in because my dad's not with, with us anymore. And then I come off air and my mum would go, top looked awful <laughs> And really you need your roots doing. And that combination is what makes yeah. you mm. normal and grounded. But I also know that behind my back they'll go, that's my daughter on this morning or oh that's my daughter in hello magazine but they'd never be it's a really I just I do believe in that fundamental working class way of raising kids it's like it's tough love but you know you're loved yeah so everything I am I owe to my parents I view you and I know a lot of people view you as just incredibly confident incredible like I just see you as somebody who just sees what she wants goes and gets it and it's just so professional and just achieves and achieves and achieves. And I find you incredibly inspiring to be around. But there are so many people who we know listen to Wobble who maybe are in their jobs and they don't like it. Or they're in their lives and something isn't right. Or they really take to heart what somebody says to them. Mm-hmm. And Oh, I trust me, I take to heart what people say to me. I just wouldn't let it show. But that's so what, <laughs> like, what, like, tough how, on the outside. How, but how do you deal with any kind of inner niggle. Well, don't forget, I'm 55, right? So, but like, you look about 26. <laughs> yeah. so, so I do think one of the advantage of getting older is you learn to quieten your inner demons. And also because of that journey of failing and then succeeding and then learning and failing and succeeding and learning, you begin to get a sense of who you are, what you can do, what you can't do. Like, you know, don't make me stand up in front of people and sing jazz. I'm no Ella Fitzgerald. Don't put me live on stage and make me act. Don't make me do stand-up comedy. But I am. I know what I can do because I've done it time and time and time and time and time again. So you can put me live on TV. You can put me stand me in front of 2,000 people. I can talk. Stand me in front of a camera. I can deliver to camera. I can walk and talk. I can do a hard out to the news. All that stuff that... But only because I've been doing it for years. It's still hard. Like, I still can't imagine being a 21-year-old and just being thrown in front of a camera. And there's a lot of anxiety about young people now, especially the industry now, because I've left magazines and gone into YouTube and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. And I think they're anxious because they're really young and they're thrown into the public eye at a really young age. If you think of my career, it's almost been a really slow, steady climb. And I think that's a healthy way. You really don't want to go up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm. But if anybody's listening and they want to reinvent themselves, it's never too late. I mean, I only left magazines four or five months ago after being covered by either ITV or a magazine or Marie Claire or the Daily Mail, like a really big media umbrella for years. To stand on your own is a really big deal. But you can do it. You can do it. You have to teach yourself in your spare time. Anybody out there that's doing a job and they don't want to do it and they want to do something else... You need to want it enough that you are prepared to retrain in your spare time. So I taught myself to do YouTube, to edit and all that stuff in my own time when I already had a five day a week full time job. But if you want to do it, if you've got a goal, you just have to be really driven. And I am very lucky. I do have a massive sense of, you know, drive. I mean, I will just keep going till I succeed. Failure is not an option. Somebody said to me the other day, oh, I think you mentioned one of my products on a video really upmarket PR and I went oh yeah let me I'll send you the link and she went oh my god I have 50,000 people watch that I said I didn't start a YouTube channel to fail at it failure is not an option 
I need you literally before I leave the house every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in work as an idea because I think work has changed so much, even particularly in the last sort of five years, ten years. Um, I know there's things like the multi-hyphen, the idea of being a slasher, so you're a presenter, but you're also this, you're also a writer, you do all these different things. And also, we're kind of 24 hours now, aren't we, with social media? Oh, we all are, mm. constantly. That's why, that's why everybody's so stressed and anxious. Yes. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So I'm interested, I love to know somebody's working day or the routines that they put in place to enable them to be working at their very best. So what what is it for you, Nadine? So I'm driven by deadlines. I always say that uh, if I had to write a novel and I had a year to write it, I'd sit and watch daytime TV till three weeks before and then I'd panic because I, I do feed on that adrenaline, that cortisol and that adrenaline. So for me, it's deadlines. So I have to do two videos a week, every Thursday, every Sunday. So I normally, they'll take a, a day and a half to film, edit, research, stuff like that, get out and about, do Instagram, which is now because of Instagram TV is going to start taking more and more and more time. But I actually thrive on deadlines. So a typical day is, I get up in the morning. What time do you get up? Are you, oh, are you God, no, I'm a, not a morning person. Right, okay. Oh, my God. Cause I, I go to bed about midnight, and I wake up probably about 8 o'clock. So I'm still sitting in bed. Now, that's like, refreshing. It is. I'm still sitting in bed at, like, half 8, quarter to 9, strolling through Instagram, checking my numbers, answering emails, stuff like that. Yeah. Then the cats will get me out of bed, and I have to feed the cats. Um, and then I'm just starting emails up. And I don't really feel like human till about 12 o'clock. That's so refreshing because I think there is a huge misconception that to be successful, you, you have early. to be oh God, no. the, yeah. the early bird. No. By the time I get up and I've scrolled through my Instagram, most people have been up taking their kids to school and worked out in the gym. Mm. I'm like, to each your own. <laughs> but then they're in bed asleep at 10 o'clock at night and I actually could still be working till midnight. That's, yes. I'm just a night owl. That's just the person I am. And when you talked about your deadlines, Nadine, because a lot of people... I, I 
I'm very good with other people's deadlines that they give me. I'm not very good at meeting my own. So that's discipline, presumably. But you, you, can't, you can't fail a deadline. Because even if you set it yourself, even if the only person you're letting down is yourself. I love how alien as a concept this is. <laughs> well, except that you're not setting it for yourself, are you? Because you've got your followers and they expect something to come up every Thursday and Friday. I always think the secret is, if you're frightened you're going to fail at something or you're frightened you're not going to deliver something, put it into the outside world. So you would go on your podcast and go, right, we're going to go seven days a week live. And the minute you put it out there and everybody comes back and goes, oh, I love that. That's amazing. I want 10 minutes of you. Every You've got to do it. Yeah. Mm. So I remember putting it out there going, when I left hello, I was like, right, so now we're going to do Thursdays. Thursdays and Sundays, Thursdays and Sundays, Thursdays and Sundays. And then after a couple of weeks, everybody's like, Thursday, I'm here, I'm waiting, where's your content? It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Like I've just hit 51,000 on Instagram. And when I hit 50,000, I said, I'm gonna do a massive giveaway of 50 products. And then I went up to 51 really quickly, thanks to Sam Chapman. And everybody's like, where's the giveaway? Where's the giveaway? Where's the giveaway? You're like, so as long as you put it out there, you have to deliver. Yeah. Like, I don't want to let anybody down. And I, think, I always want to be seen as being really professional. Mm. Yeah. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to Wobble and you haven't got a following, and so one thing that we have learned from doing Jules and Sarah, our other podcast, we started doing it and we were religious. It was every single Friday. And At a certain time. Yeah. Yes, it was always there in. in the morning. It was there for you first thing in the morning and we started off with nothing there was nobody listening to it for the for the first for, the, for ages, for the first, ages i always say that when i started my youtube channel bearing in mind i'd always work for really big media companies where you automatically had an audience so you live this morning you automatically got three quarters of a million people watching you you automatically read for write for hello you've automatically got a third of a people reading for you reading it and i remember if somebody had said to me, when I started my YouTube channel at the end of the year, I'd have 3,000 followers, I wouldn't have started. Because it was just too humiliating. To so be you, that low. Yeah, to yeah. be that low. Yeah, to be that not successful coming from where I'd come from. So in a way, it's quite nice to be innocent and not know how hard it is to build a social media following because it's bloody hard work. It's yeah. not easy. Nothing comes easy to you. And also, the people that are engaged in social media aren't watching traditional media that much. So nobody knew me from this morning, really. Nobody knew me from Hello, because Hello never promoted its writers. So at the end of the first year, however many thousand followers I had, I used to have to wait all week to get to a thousand views on a video. All week for a thousand views on a video. But at that point, I also had that sense of I've started this now. The whole industry's watching. I've got to keep going. I've got to turn this around. Like yeah. Britain determination. And then you'll know, because you've both built really good profiles, then suddenly something happens and it just starts to tick over. And because it is, there's a word for it, isn't it? It's exponential. So you start at one, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight. And that's how it works out. And then suddenly it starts to happen. But and then when it starts to happen, you think, yeah. Thank heavens, because the whole world's watching. They but really are. It, it can, or not, as the case may be. It can be taken out of our industry, because our industry is so... It's just this weird web of stars and wonderfulness. But even if, like, you aren't in this industry, maybe you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I have, this doesn't apply to me. It does, because, say, for an example, you want to open a bakery, yeah. and you've never baked before, and you open that bakery, then you are going to tell everyone that you're going to open a bakery. 
and you're going to start making cupcakes and you're going to start promoting those cupcakes and you're going to start going to every little shop around you promoting the cupcakes then you're going to start making coffee and you're going to keep building that bakery until it's the best bakery on the high street and you're going to keep building it and then you open your next one it's exactly the same it's the web it's growing it's growing it's growing but you have to keep focused and keep driven and keep plugging away at them damn cupcakes yeah it's and true it's, and, yeah. and it is it's exponential in the sense that two becomes four becomes eight becomes 16 yeah. and but it's the hardest bit is getting that original thing and if somebody said to me if they, one bit of advice you could have given to yourself because somebody told me to start a youtube channel who was based out of america who worked at maybelline my friend charlotte and she said to me there's a media storm coming and if you don't change the way you communicate i.e go onto youtube go onto instagram all that sort of stuff magazines are going to die and sadly they are dying left right and center and if I could give myself one bit of advice because I wanted it to be perfect which was stupid and I and I one bit of advice is I should have just started then at the beginning I should have just put my camera up there and and started yeah that my only regret is I didn't do it two or three years I ago. love that you've said that Nadine and I have had that I've heard that in so many I'm reading um, an amazing book at the moment um, by Tara and I always mispronounce her surname but it's called playing big and it's actually it's it's aimed at women who generally particularly in the workplace particularly if there's a lot of it's a very male-based environment they will play small they will keep their ideas to themselves I've only just started it so I have no advice at the moment on how to play big <laughs> but one of the things that we get hung up on, and it's not just women, is that perfectionism. And that perfectionism stops us doing so many things. I have to charge a lot less for my services. I can't do YouTube yet because I don't have the best camera on the market, or I don't have any followers, or I don't have the, a decent wall at home to do it against. These are all things. And for me, they're just created by fear. It's complete fear of failure. Mm. But also I think you're, you're benchmarking yourself against people that are already established and you can't do that all you can do is the best version of you and I think most people have a decent phone nowadays and if you look at for example Instagram TV which launched last night um, if you look at that then you just think that is designed for mobile use so you literally put your phone on the side and start recording you are your own cameraman lighting sound presenter scriptwriter, editor and director that's the control and you just start doing it and I remember saying at the beginning when I started getting the followers I said I promise I'll get better and the focus will be better and they're like they went we don't care yeah we don't care and there are amazing Instagrammers out there doing filmic quality stuff but I'm not that person. Nobody's ever going to tune into me to see me on a pink beach, like looking perfect, all filtered. That's not what I'm about. I'm about unfiltered, unfacetuned, honesty on Instagram, trying to do something. And one of the reasons I did it, I do think you need to find a niche. One of the reasons I wanted to do it was because nobody my age was doing it. Yeah. It's harder if you're a 25 year old, incredibly pretty person with unicorn hair, because there are millions of people out there. But the one advantage to being me is nobody else can do me. Yeah. And actually, it's, there's a big um, misconception, and it's changed a lot, I think, in the last couple of years, that YouTube, and particularly beauty YouTube, is just for people in their 20s. Yes. They're the only ones making it and watching it, and it's just not true. No. What was really shocking to me was when I got verified across all of them, so I opened up all my analytics, what, was, what really shocked me was how young my audience was, because I thought it would be all like your mum's age and older, mm. because I just was used to speaking to that slightly sort of this morning audience. And social media is really young, so most of my audience are 25 to 35, then 35 to 45. And I want to attract an older audience, but they're slowly going to come to YouTube. I remember somebody saying to me, you're a late adopter to YouTube, but an early adopter for a woman of your age. Yes. And I actually took that as a compliment. That is a massive yeah. compliment. It's a massive compliment. It just means you've got to be a little bit ahead of the curve. And my advice to anybody wanting to change careers is train to do it in your spare time because 
none of us are being bankrolled by mum and dad and we've got to carry on paying our bills and looking after our families and all that sort of stuff. But if you're passionate, you will do it in your spare time. And then social media, even though it's a daunting place, it's basically like LinkedIn on steroids because everything you want is out there. You just follow people who are doing a similar thing to you. You start tagging people in, you copy every cross, all across the brands. And people always go to me, how do I get hold of a brand? And I go, you've got a phone. Like when I was young, you had to go into a phone directory and find an address and type out a letter and post it and wait for a response. Now you don't, you just slide into somebody's DMs and you just go, hi, I really love your brand. How about we partner? You're amazing. Like everybody loves a bit of flattery. Of course they do. And if you go at that level, which I am, which is that sort of 50 to 100,000, the chances are they're answering every single one of their DMs. Quite a few brands are quite small on social media. And yeah. if you tag them, they'll notice it. They'll notice when you mention their brand. So say, for example, let's talk about the cupcakes thing. So if you, for example, you were to create your cupcakes, take an amazing picture of them, send them to a few people and you went, thank you at, I don't know, Tate and Lyle Sugar or something like, thank you at Sprinkles, whatever, whoever you're making with, that brand will see that you're using their product. Yeah, because you see all the Isle of Paradise, yeah. don't you? Yeah. do, yeah. So we see everything on Isle of Paradise. And, and you repost it, we which re gives that person. everything, and then we reply to every single DM. Yeah. And, and I do too. And it's really, it's like a rule for us. And so if you are like thinking, oh God, I want to do something different, don't be afraid of the big brands. Don't be afraid no. of people who maybe you think are on a table, they're still human beings. Yeah, and I just want to say, because I've not, I've got a tiny audience compared to, I mean, Jules, you're on like 11,000 and Nadine, you've hit 50. I've got 5,000 followers, but my engagement... But they're the hardest 5,000 yeah. to get, yeah. can I just say that? Yeah, and but my engagement is lovely. I get really, I get a lot of um, people coming back. I get a lot of comments because I, I really love that community. And consequently, I have got, I had it last week, my first like paid collaboration and I don't have I don't even have 10,000 followers but if your engagement's high if you keep on at it and you keep connecting they'll see that as well somebody will it's stop the rise that. of the micro influencer because there used to be a time when you used to just deal with people who had a million followers yeah but brands mm. are being much smarter that's the equivalent back in the day of only advertising in the sun yeah. because that had the biggest reach but actually tatler and harper's had a much smaller following but if you wanted that market you went for tatler and harper's if you wanted hello you went for that market so i think brands are getting much more strategic on where they spend their money yeah. but i do think even if you don't want to get into social media, the importance of social media, if you can consume it with your brain engaged, like don't spend your whole time thinking, why don't I live that life? Why haven't I got those followers? Why aren't I young? Why aren't I pretty? Why aren't I skinny? Why aren't I all those things? Because even I meet those influencers, they don't look like that. Most of them don't even look anything like that in real life. But if you can look at it with a, a more brand business head on and think, right, what brands are doing what I want to do really well? Let's have a look. Let's not, don't engage with emotionally. Think, how are they working this? Let's have a look at their grid. Oh, that colorway is nice. So I could maybe do a different colorway. Oh, those pictures are nice. What messaging have they got? What hashtags are they using? And that's how you use it. I follow certain people in my industry who are really successful, who I wouldn't necessarily engage with in terms of, I don't particularly like what they stand for or what they do, but if they've created their following and it's really clever and it's really engaged, you'll go, right, let's take some lessons in what they're doing. And I always think I've got really simple rules if you're gonna go into social media is ask yourself, why am I here? Like, don't do avocado on toast one day, 
a balloon the next day and then your nephew the next day. So think, why am I doing it? If it's a personal account, it's fine. It can be a reflection of your life. But if it's a business account in, ter in terms of you're thinking of monetizing this or driving your business in the long term, why am I here? What are my aims? What are my editorial pillars, they call? So think of the three things your brand stands for and make sure that that message is always behind every single post. What do my followers want, which you'll know pretty quickly, and give them more of it. And it's just being mindful, such a cliche, of when you're on social media. So you don't just keep swiping thinking, I'll never be rich, I'll never be thin, I'll never be young, I'll never be skinny, I'm never all of these things. Why aren't I in the Maldives with all these people? Oh my God, I hate my life. Like, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. And if you follow somebody and they make you feel bad about yourself, unfollow them. Yes. yes. We talk about this a lot. On my feed yeah. is full of women my age who don't feel to themselves. Famous women my age who don't feel to themselves. And brands that I'm interested in. Like if I see a young, slim, gorgeous person that filters the hell out of themselves, and I know they don't look like that in real life, I don't want to engage. They just make me feel bad about myself. Yeah. Do you have those moments when, yeah. you, when you get Everybody triggered? does. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah, absolutely. The most amazing thing my, from my point of view now is I've gone from being with loads of beauty editors to loads of influencers. I had a conversation with somebody the other day who's got millions of followers. And I had a conversation with her for ages. And when she got up and left, I went, who is that? And they told me, and I went, oh, she looks nothing like a feed. Wow. She was a lovely girl, yeah. really beautiful, looked nothing like a feed. Because it's such an unreal, for a certain percentage of people, it's such an unrealistic airbrushed image. You know, I mean, you go on holiday even to somewhere as lovely as LA and the sky doesn't look that purpley pink colour the whole time. That's a filter. Yeah, mm. even the sky. Even the sky. sky even isn't good enough. The sky. What even the sky, to? sunshine and sand isn't good enough. Yeah, they're not actually there. And that's why when you launched Isle of Paradise, what I loved about it was just the body positivity mention. It's really important. I remember interviewing Grace um, Timothy when she launched her book and I went, do you want to come on? We'll talk about the book. And she went, well, are your audience interested? I went... Let's just drop our trousers and show our stretch marks and talk about everybody having stretch marks. And we yeah. did it. Great. And I bet everyone went, oh, thank God. Yeah. But and like having Emma G on. Yeah. Having Emma G on and talking about her hair loss and, and then talking about her facial hair problem and how to get rid of it. And I just think, it, it, trust me, it's that little thing about if you've got that concern, there are millions of other people that have got the same concern. We're all the same, really, deep yeah. down inside. And that is absolutely why we started Wobble. That yeah, is what we, exactly we all wobble. What he wanted to say. We all wobble. And the people I love that I follow on social media that I really engage with who are similar to me are people like Starmy Sunday and Erica Davis. And they're all at Cat Farmer. They're all about owning who they are. They come on their social media in the morning. They go, oh, no, I haven't got any makeup on. I'm running late. But... And yeah, obviously I follow a fair few people who I think are amazing and I love their style and they airbrush the hair, hell out of themselves. Someone like Elmer Fierson, for example. But that's fine because I can keep that in a little space. I also consume Vogue magazine, which is I'm going to just lift the top of my head off and think this is just a beautiful escapist dream. It's not real life. But you need to follow enough people that reflect you back. So whether yeah. you're black or Asian, whether you're hijabi, whether you're, you've got stretch marks, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're transgendered, you need to have enough of you being fe featured back at you. So for me, I need to follow enough people who are older and are on social media and are owning their age and being really positive about it. Yeah. I think that's great advice. That is, and that's that is when awesome. you... That's I when, want to go home and just unfollow. Yeah, no, yeah. And don't worry about unfollowing mm. them. Like if they've got the app that 
tells you that you've unfollowed them, they're already in a bad space. Mm, yeah. Because you don't want that app. No. Because that's crazy. And if they're already in that space, nothing you can do to make them are gonna make them feel better about exactly. yourself. No. Curate your feed to reflect you back, whatever you stand for in terms of body positivity or age or anything like that, and then just create it so that you've got people who are in your space who are positive and mindful and honest and open, and then you've got your little bit of sort of loveliness that you sprinkle across the top but don't take it too seriously brilliant nadine we always ask uh someone who comes on wobble as a guest in life what makes you wobble running i'm 56 I'm <laughs> shall i show you my wobbly knee at this time look, look i hate my wobbly knees look at that they're lovely knees they're some of the most incredible no, I've got, knees i've ever I've seen i've got footballers knees like that. better knees than me nadine um what makes me wobble in what in sense in, you, you mean emotionally wobble yeah what sort of triggers you uh i mean still my big weak spot is my dad and losing my dad so there isn't a day that goes by when i don't think everything i am i owe to my dad because he was a very specific type of person and he died 12 or 13 years ago, so the last wobble I had was Father's Day. And I got very, oh, I hate Father's Day. I'm not gauging in this. Everybody with their fathers, go away, I hate you. And then I was like, oh, for God's sake, get over yourself, Nadine. It's fine. But that's, yeah, my big wobble would be losing my dad because he was my anchor, like he's the core of me. And I remember somebody saying, oh, it's so sad you've lost your dad, but then you have to do that. It's not sad that I lost him. It's, it's happy that I had him for 43 years. And that's what counts because everything I am, I owe to him. He was a very unique person, though. He was amazing. So that's my wobble. And then my happy wobble, as in I'm going to hold my gut and laugh till I cry, are my friends. Oh, my God, my, my girlfriends are so important to me. But all of my friends are people in the beauty industry who at one point, we were at some ridiculous launch somewhere in the south of France where, you know, the nuns were picking the dew-laden leaves at five in the morning as the sunrise to capture the essence of whatever for whatever brand. And you've looked across the room and you've looked at somebody and they've just raised the eyebrow and you know it's all bullshit. <laughs> they're my friends. <laughs> they're my friends. They're so there's people. the PRs yeah. and the fellow beauty editors and whoever, they're my people. Nadine, it's been an absolute oh my God, you've been joy. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Wobble. If Thank people, you for inviting me. <laughs> if people want to find you, if they want to come on your YouTube. At Nadine Baggett, there's only one with a name like that. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks for being called maggot <laughs> and maggoty breath at school thank you for that oh nadine thank you so much my pleasure much. i love what you stand for i really do we should all wobble well i love how open and honest nadine was in that episode i like that she talks about how her father really guided her and yeah. how you know he put her on that path but not all of us have that, so maybe Nadine could be that person for you. Maybe this podcast could be that person or that be that thing that puts you on the right path if you need it, if you need career advice. I think what I'm taking from this is Nadine sees the boat that comes and gets on it. She just takes the risk. Yes. She's a risk taker. And that is something that really spoke to me because I have always been in this position of going, I can't yet, I can't do this yet, I'm not good enough at this yet, I'm not, I'm always in the waiting room, or at least I have been. Mm. And this year, actually, I've really kind of started breaking that apart and mm. going, well, do you know what, I'm sick of waiting, I'm 
done and I'm just gonna go for it. You know, we're not saying go into something blindly no. and say you can do something that you can't, but there is, I mean, self-belief will carry you such a long way. And I love as well what she said about starting her YouTube channel, that if she'd have known how fewer views and followers and things like that she would have had initially, she would never have done it because she said it would be too embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, what, that's incredible and it just, if you, you have to keep doing something. It's really struck me that Jules and Sarah has been going for nearly three years. We're on the second series of Wobble and things, people are really starting to talk now about the things that they know about the podcast and it's incredible how long it can take to yeah. build something up. And so you've just got to keep going. You have to keep going and you have to love it. And I think um, Nadine, what I liked about what Nadine said is, and we did this when we first started Jules and Sarah, we told people that we we're gonna do a podcast. And we could have not even told anybody that we were gonna start podcasting, but we did. Yes. And we were like, we oh, told our friends. About we, it. Oh, yeah. But, Couldn't shut up about but it. But it's, it it's also a thing that once you've said to somebody, I'm gonna do this, yes. and the message is out there, then you kind of have to do it. And yeah. if you really want something and you put it out to the universe, I believe you just have to do it. And also what I love about Nadine is she just kept doing this for herself yeah. and that's made her happier because she is just improving herself and following her passion. Totally, she was an absolute, uh, thank you so much Nadine for coming on Wobble. And um, so look, please like, please subscribe yes. if you fancy it. Um, it means such a lot to us when you do and we will see you next time for another episode of Wobble. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.